It's finally here, the NFL Draft 2021 edition, and the Dolphins in Death podcast is going to be on the ground in Cleveland, on the ground at the Miami Dolphins training facility. We're all over the place. I'm excited. Star of the show, Adam Beasley. Are you kerplefft? <laughs> this is I'm hugely kerplefft. This is your. Is this your first time? With an in-person media availability since the pandemic? Uh, well, depends on when the pandemic began, no? Because we were in <laughs> Indianapolis last year uh, talking to Chris Greer and up close and personal with a bunch of draft picks and uh, with Brian Flores. And there was a pandemic going on at, at uh, you know, burgeoning at that point, no? Yeah, well, uh, okay. Since we've established that it was a pandemic, yeah, this is the first time we're uh, – it's crazy. I mean, I'll be in Cleveland. I, I, I fly out tomorrow morning, and you'll be at, uh, for the very last time, the Davy headquarters, right? This will be the last big event. I don't know. There may be some of the, the mini camps if they happen, uh, but uh, one of the last times you'll be um, at Nova Southeastern because they're opening their – their Miami Gardens practice facility soon, so it's you know it's just a it's just a red letter day the whole way across. Love it. Let me ask you a question real quick. So, do you need my uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, get in free card? <laughs> I probably won't be making the hour and a half drive from downtown Cleveland to Canton, but if Come those on! if those if those plans do change, uh, yeah, you'll be the first one I call. Come on, you you what? You're not going to hang out in Canton when you go to the draft in Cleveland? Come on, we're, we're, you you were not there for JT's, and again, we're I love how we devolve in these podcasts. You were not there for JT's uh, induction. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I think I was. I there. was there for JT's. Uh, you know being voted in so i think that was the more prominent and important moment if, yeah. if you don't mind me saying so lodging was a bit of an issue oh. <laughs> yeah it's 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 hard to find a uh, a hotel without uh, an entire army of termites uh, in the greater canton akron area and i hope we don't have any listeners in northeastern wow. ohio that are just driving off the road in anger right now but yeah no it's Cleveland's a lot of things, but it ain't Canton Akron. I'll be happily staying in downtown Cleveland for the entire week. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So the Miami Dolphins, they have the number three overall pick. Oh, no, they don't. (laughs) I am going to make a prediction, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to look back on this draft, and there will be people who will wish that the Dolphins – had kept the number three overall pick. And we won't know whether this is good or bad or accurate or inaccurate until about 2026 or so. But trust me on this. This is not going to go well. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, we might know in 2021 because if Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones have a Pro Bowl rookie season and Tua struggles, you can immediately say they made the wrong choice. Right? Because a quarterback that would have been an upgrade was there at three, and you trade it out. Now, I, I, don't, I think that's, that's a tall ask for those guys, and I think Tua's going to have 
a much better second season than either first. So that, but the scenario exists, Armando. If you want to, you know, be catastrophic, that yeah, I mean, there you could be, you could be regretting it this time next year. Uh, but I think you're more broadly talking about missing out on Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase. Yeah, that that's the one I'm. T- I wasn't thinking about a quarterback as much as I was thinking about Kyle Pitts specifically. Um, it, uh, <laughs> he's special, man. He's mm-hmm. just special. Uh, I think that uh, Dave Gettleman of the Giants called him a different kind of cat. <laughs> and then he said, <laughs> then, then he followed it up with meow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Go and watch the clip. He followed up with. No, I think it was now. But I wanted to say it was meow. Now he said he's yeah, a different kind no, of cat. It would have been meow. better. Meow would have been better and much <laughs> more back pages. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the Dolphins, by picking up and let's let's be honest, what they did was for move to three to six. They moved. They picked up a first rounder in two years. There was some other draft compensation in the interim. They got a third. Um, you know, they had to move back from fourth to fifth. So. Generally, that's more or less a wash. Uh, the first round pick in 2023 was the big prize for them, them trading back. Um, that's great if two is a stud and Pitts or, or, or and Pitts and Chase or Pitts or Chase fall to six. But none of those things are a guarantee right now. Certainly, they took a gamble, and it's one that's going to set them up either for huge praise or huge criticism for years to come. By the way, uh, the 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 trade that Chris Greer made with San Francisco and then with Philadelphia, it has been resoundingly applauded in the media and definitely so in the national media. Um, I don't know that I've been applauding because I have pointed out that they weakened themselves in 2020. They mm. come out of that trade weaker than they were when the thing started and yes, they get that 2023 pick, but that's a 2023 pick and I'm living in 2021. And so uh, I, and I brought that up to Chris Greer. (laughs) I was going to mention that. (laughs) Uh, And it went sideways, didn't it? It was like, he, he doesn't, uh, you know, this 2021, you weakened yourself narrative. He's not buying that. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna make you a bet, Armando. And 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 here's the bet: when they're on the clock at number six, and they turn in the card, and 15 minutes later, Chris Greer appears to us either on Zoom or in person. I don't know how they'll do it on Thursday, but he'll he'll talk to you guys. Um, I'll be in Cleveland, but he'll talk to the media that are assembled, uh, and he's going to say these words: "We got the guy. We were going to take a three. No doubt." That's exactly how they're going to frame it. We, we, we got the guy we we're going to get at three, and we got a first-round pick out of it. It's a great night. Except for this. If the guy that actually goes at four is Kyle Pitts or at five is Jamar Chase, the answer is, so you had X player, whoever that might be, be it, you know, Panay Sewell or Panay Sewell or Panay Sewell (laughs) or Devonta Smith. And there is zero way that either of those two guys, either Devonta or um, 
Sewell have a higher grade on the Dolphins' actual draft board than Kyle Pitts. It's just not possible. Right. And that will be up to you as our star columnist to point out to the, the readers of South Florida. Uh, I do think that there is a real scenario, though, and we discussed this in the past, that he's not going to have to say that. Because I think the scenario, there are two scenarios. One is Pitts falls to them at six, which I think is still possible. I don't think it's super likely, but I think there, there, you can't count out the Falcons taking a quarterback or trading with a team that wants a quarterback. So Fair. it's possible that he is there at six. It's also possible they don't pick at six, and uh, they move back to eight or nine with either the Panthers or the Broncos. And that, we talked a little bit about this in our very intensive uh, production meeting before the show, uh, I think that is the scenario in which they draft Panay Sewell. I think that if they're there at nine, they, they, they're they at six and uh, Fields is gone. I'm not sorry, not Fields. Pitts is gone and Chase is gone. And they get, you know, Denver calls up and says, hey, here, here's, here's our second rounder and a third in 2022. Move back three spots. They move back those three spots. That is when I think Panay Sewell enters the conversation because uh, it will be – Certainly the value would be fantastic at that point. It's not like you're using a number three pick on an offensive lineman. You have one of maybe the, the two or three best non-quarterbacks, and you're getting him at nine. I don't think many people would crush them for that. I think they would quickly then try to find a skill position player at 18 or move up for one. Um, but I, I think that's if, – if there's a path to getting Sewell, I think that's the way to do it. I don't I, – I, I, I still think they're going to take a pass catcher. And I've been told today that after – we haven't talked about this yet, but for those who are who haven't read, the Dolphins traded uh, Eric Flowers today to the Washington football team. And uh, it creates a hole in their offensive line, but they're going to fill that hole by moving Robert Hunt from right tackle to right guard. So they need a right tackle. Uh, but I think that is the scenario in which all the pieces kind of fall into place. I don't think they need – they feel the need to go – get Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell because they have Jesse Davis, they have DJ Fluker, they have a bunch of more picks after the first one overall to address that position. But if the value is right, it's it's like the year they took Minka, and although Minka isn't here anymore, he ended up being a good, very good player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he ended up being a very good player. They didn't need a safety that year, just the value was too good to pass up. Sewell at nine, I think, would be too good of a value to pass up. I agree. Uh, that would be that would be great because you not only get the value of the player, but you get the value of the extra draft consideration that they get. Or maybe the, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, there's people that have talked about the the Broncos trading Jerry Judy. Really? To go, <clears throat> weird. This is weird. Trading Jerry Judy to go up to number four or something like that. Uh, and getting back Julio Jones and obviously uh, then being able to draft a quarterback. That I don't would know be, how that, that makes any sense, you know, I don't know how that makes any sense cap-wise, but that's out there somewhere. Well, it would certainly give the Falcons, who are all kinds of cap hells, a lot of relief. I mean, that would be that would right. be helpful. That would be helpful to them. Uh, and it would be hugely helpful to the Miami Dolphins. And any quarterback that goes at number four, I don't care who it is, is a win for the Dolphins because then that means that either Chase or Pitts will be there at six. So I had not heard that scenario. That's a wild one. Uh, do you know what Julio Jones is set to make this year? I think it's like 21. 
his cap number his cap number for the Falcons is like twenty one, but they could split that up over two years if they you know the, the post June one trade or whatever they want to call it. Um, but just in pure dollars, fifteen point three million dollars in base salary this year for a thirty two year old wide receiver who had ha- his best days are behind him. That if, if the Falcons are able to get him off their books uh, and get Jerry Judy and a top ten pick. That is a home run for that organization. Right. Well, I mean, they get a top 10 pick, but they also give up the number four overall pick in the draft. I mean, right. you know. Right. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's 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 good because it works for both teams. I don't know how it works for Denver cap-wise because that's a, that's a big pill to swallow. Um, but – Whatever floats their boat, that's fine with me. I don't think either of those top third and fourth quarterbacks are going to be great, to be very frank with you. I don't see it with Mac Jones at number three. I just don't see it. I, I, I'm I, sorry. Uh, I date me. You and I, no, I'm, I'm not going to argue in favor of the Niners giving up two, two first-round picks to get – a system quarterback. I'm not, I'm not going to, and that's why for to me it never made sense. It just I, didn't. I, I and and again, Kyle Shanahan's won a lot more football games than I have, but that one to me just doesn't make any sense at all. I do see the grand and glorious ability of Justin Fields, mm-hmm. but there are other things at play there that tell me he's not ready to play. It's going to take him, you know, a couple of years before he's ready. And he has to be in the perfect right situation. And if you're picking him at number three, uh, or if you're trading up from number nine to number four to pick him and expecting him to, you know, rescue your franchise this year, you're you're in for a major disappointment. Well, I mean, the idea is maybe just give him a year to to learn slowly and play some and you kind of write off 2021. Right. And I mean that there are teams that do that and that's fine. Yeah. Um, particularly you can learn team, behind Drew Locke. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if the Falcons take him at four, I mean, you can, you can learn behind Matt Ryan and they, they could still have a chance to be pretty decent this year. And you have your quarterback. I think that with the Falcons, um, one reason that I'm a little skeptical that they might not take a quarterback is the one of the great reasons to, to to draft a quarterback Armando is because it frees up so much cap space to do other things. Right. Well, that that doesn't exist for the Falcons because they're. I mean, they 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 had to they had to do a lot of creative accounting to get their number where it is now, and that's still not good. They have some liabilities in 2022 as well. So what's the point in taking one of these rookie quarterbacks, having them on a rookie deal, if you have a bunch of dead money anyway that stops you from spending money? So maybe they wait just one more year, uh, bite the bullet this year, try to muddle through with Matt Ryan and, 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 a, and an 87-year-old Julio Jones, and then in 2022 get their books right. A team with that, that's not in a huge hurry, that might be their plan. The flip side of that is this, Armando. There's no guarantee they're picking fourth next year, and there's no guarantee that even if they are, there are four quarterbacks worth taking in next year's draft. So they might see this as a you know once a decade opportunity to get a guy, and even though it's not perfect, they still do it. Yeah, it, honestly, if I was the Denver Broncos, uh, we we talked about how all those guys after really um, you know Trevor 
and the BYU kid, whoever his name is, uh, uh, Zach that Wilson, we'll, that we'll be seeing twice a year for the next fifteen years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and anyway, so after those guys, I think you have guys that are, you know, there's a lot of questions. If I was George Payton of the Denver Broncos and I'm sitting at number nine, I pick my guy and I trade for Teddy Bridgewater, who, by the way, I helped to draft with the Minnesota Vikings when I was with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I mean, there there are more than one way to get your starting quarterback, but there aren't a lot of ways to get your franchise quarterback. You get my point? Fair. Yeah, no, I, I understand. There, there. I mean, you can ask the Dolphins. They've had starting quarterbacks ever since Dan Marino has retired. And every year, well, most every year, I don't know. There's some some of those years they entered the year maybe not totally confident with what they had, but most of those years they felt good about it. But they never probably thought, oh, this is a Super Bowl winning champion. This is a Super Bowl champion quarterback. Yeah, they've never had their franchise quarterback to this point to today yet. Um, by the way. I don't know that Justin Fields is going to be their franchise quarterback. We don't know that. I don't know that Trey Lance is going to be the franchise quarterback. I want, you know, I just I just see that these guys are projects and teams are picking them like they are, you know, dead set, awesome, for sure things. And it's just, well, it's just all bonkers you, to me. Yeah, all you've got to do is look at history. I mean, 50% of first-round quarterbacks are busts. So two of these four guys, if guys go one, two, three, four, two of them will not make it to a second contract with the team that drafted them. And, it, you know, if, 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 you know, three out of four do and three out of four have a, you know, really good career, then this is like the 2000, well, the 2004 draft was it when you had Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. You will remember it like that. But – how many of those years have we had since then? Not very many. Right. Everyone, everyone thought the two was a 2018 draft that had uh, Darnold and uh, Josh Allen and Rosen and Lamar Jackson. Um, and I feel like there's one I'm forgetting too. But regardless, um, Mayfield. Those, yeah, Baker Mayfield, of course. Um, you know, <laughs> two you of those number one. Yeah, two. Well, and he's he's is he the only one of the no? The uh, Mars made the playoffs. Is he the only one who's made the playoffs? But two of those guys are on different teams now. So, right. yeah, but that's just what the league averages. I believe Josh Allen has made the playoffs too, no? Yeah, I try to forget about last year. <laughs> I know that you hate Josh Allen, but yeah. Josh Allen's pretty good. <laughs> so I would say th- th- three, out, three out of five. You have, well, certainly the league MVP in Lamar Jackson sure. from, what, 2019 was, was really good. And Josh Allen had a great year last year. But I wouldn't say Baker Mayfield is a Top, no doubt, top ten quarterback at this point. He's fine. They're, they're not getting rid of him. They, they're no. happy with him, certainly, you know, and they're going to pick up his fifth year option, certainly. Sure, but but are you going to win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I can't believe we're on that talk. <laughs> Can the Browns win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield two days before the NFL draft? That's why I love this podcast. Tune in to Dolphins in Death for <laughs> Baker Mayfield talk. <laughs> I think I need to regroup, Armando. I think I need to get back on track. And to do that, we need to take a quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm energized. I'm refocused. I know what team I cover. Let's talk more about the Miami Dolphins, shall we? You've obviously had a swig of bourbon. Um, so so here's the question, okay? Um, the Dolphins are going to go one of two ways, and if they go the third way, I will kill myself. And the one way is we're going to add playmakers. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking with the first pick, right? Uh, and basically in the first round. We're going to add playmakers. We're going to get ourselves a wide receiver. Yay! We're going to get ourselves a running back. All right! And we're going to score some points. The second way is we're going to get ourselves some protection uh, for Tua Tungabailoa in the person or personage of an offensive tackle such as Panay Sewell. And... The third way is we're gonna we're gonna surprise everybody and get ourselves some defensive help, which oh. would be the Mondo oh, 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 suicide oh, oh, oh. watch pick. Well, there's no there's no chance they do that at six. Like I I'm not I'm not one for broad declarative statements, but there is zero chance they take a defensive player at six. Now, it's possible they move back and, you know, they drop to 10 or 11 and you know, Micah Parsons is there. They love oh, him. Yeah. I mean, that I guess that's possible. Um, Micah Parsons is like 203 pounds, isn't he? <laughs> I think we looked this up last week and he might be a little heavier than that. Uh, right. I think he's closer yeah. to 250. Uh, okay. But if they would do that, if they would do something like that, Armando, why would – no, they're not going to do that because they would never have moved up from 12 to begin with. Like, they would have just stayed at 12 and had their run of the 2022 and 2023 drafts. That's what they would have done. So, no, they're going to they're going to make a pick in the top 10. The question is they move down to 8 or 9, and that pick will be an offensive player. It will be either, um, you know, one of these offensive skill position players we've talked about or an O-lineman if the value is right. I think the odds are still much higher in the, in the former than the latter. Uh, but I, I wanted, uh, yeah, defensive Wait a player. Now you, you you said that, but you know that the first round is more than just the number six pick. There's that number eighteen pick, oh, and that's sure. the one that. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 totally fine with them taking if they're if 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 a, if a really good. You know what? I'll say this: if Patrick Sertan the second falls to eighteen, they should take him. I don't care how many corners they have. I don't care that they draft a corner, corner in the first round last year. If an elite talent falls you at 18, I do. if it's a quarterback, take him. If, if, if the value is so good at 18 that you cannot pass him up, you take him. I don't think Sertan will be there, but what about Farley? Mm, there's a lot of mixed opinion on that dude. 
I, know. I, mean, I, I, I haven't done study on him, but um, I think – is Drew his agent? Is Rosenhaus his agent? I don't know. Um, whoever his agent is guaranteed that he won't fall past 20, which is oh. 18, 18 is before, before 20. 20. <laughs> is before 20. My so, county math for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. The public school education is paying off. Yes, so, so, yeah, I mean, I I can't speak with great authority on that dude because I haven't watched it, literally a second of him ever play. What about like, Horn? Joe? His son, I believe his name is JC. Again, I'm. Uh, they, they, these guys are so far off my radar that I'm. I, I, I just don't know. I'm going to be honest. I, I, I don't know if that'd be a good value pick or not. I want to give me a pass rusher or give me give me a, a disruptive player in the front seven. Who? That's Quinny uh, Pay. I, I told you, I'm Mar- Micah Parsons. Now, Micah Parsons, he's not an outside linebacker, dude. He'll make it. They'll make it work. They will figure out a way to make it work with 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 him or with Benardrick McKinney or they they will look. They really don't play a three four anyway. They play was the amoeba defense a lot of the times. Yeah. They just they put dudes on the field and they say this is your assignment. You go execute that assignment. And uh, I think Micah Parsons does have some position flexibility. Uh, the question I have for you is this, and you've watched way way more of their action than I have. Um, is either Phillips or Rousseau a good pick at 18? Um, all right, so Jalen Phillips is a good player, right? So he is, he has a lot of potential, and I think that if he is healthy, he's going to be good. But if he is healthy, is a huge huge, huge concern with him because he's rarely been if he is healthy. And so that's how I feel about him. It's like this gamble of that you're taking, which is, by the way, the gamble, in my opinion, that the Dolphins took on with Tua Tungavailoa last year. The if he is healthy question, they said, we're good. Let's roll. If he is healthy, the Dolphins take another guy that if he is healthy, I I mean, can we finally draft a guy that we know or has a history that he's healthy? Well, I mean, I'd say Jalen Phillips is the same. uh, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddle has the same concerns. Well, yeah, but but he had an ankle, right? I mean, that's not exactly (laughs) – that's not exactly a long spreadsheet, the, the length of your arm of injuries like Phillips has or, you know, a major hip surgery like, like Tua had. I think, I think we can both agree. You're picking at 18. You're going to see some flaws in the diamond, right? When you put it under the scope, you're going to see some things there that, you know what? This, this isn't pristine. It's not going to Tiffany's. That being said, there are plenty and there are millions of women walking around this country with flawed diamonds on their on their fingers, and they love that diamond because someone that they love gave that diamond to them, and it was a symbol of their love. Might not have been Tiffany's love, but it was a symbol of their love, and they're having a great life together, and it was the best decision they've ever made. So, the, to, to mangle a bad analogy, 
just because there there will be imperfections with no matter who you draft at 18, right? There's there's no perfect player, certainly at that spot in the draft. But that doesn't mean you still can't find really good players that help you big time. Sure. That's Do you like that analogy? Was that fun? No, that that all worked. Uh, you know, that, that all worked. There are some people who have actually mocked Jalen Phillips to the Dolphins. Uh, Charlie Casserly, for one. Mm-hmm. He did that. So at number 18 overall, by the way. Um, okay, well, let's, so let me, let me ask you this. Would you – I think we discussed this last week. If not, let's discuss it now. I don't want them to settle. I want them to swing for the fences and no, ma- no matter what it takes to get two impact players. And I think it's – I think there's a real likelihood – that and I wrote this last week that they don't get Pitts or Waddle, they get Pitts and Waddle. And I think all these guys we're talking about with flaws, it's not going to take a ton to get from 18 to the top 10 a second time. And I think the Broncos are listening to teams that, you know, if you all give make them the right offer, they'll move back. So to me, the home run of the of the weekend would be you're talking about you know hashtag help to or whatever your hashtag was. Um, wow. Wow! <laughs> Hashtag load up for Tua. Come on now. That's what it was. It just rolls off the tongue. Hashtag load up for Tua. Um, there would be zero excuses for that dude if Pitts and Waddle are on their roster in in three days. I mean, that would be just mind blowing. I did come up with tank for Tua. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It was a good one, and they did credit for that. All all it took was a catastrophic hip injury, and the plan worked. Just like they planned, just like they've often planned. So uh, speaking of plans, does it bother you that the Dolphins 2020 free agency plans in 2021 are have been blown up? Well, I will say this before we rip them and there should be a little bit of wreckage involved because, yeah, it was a bad free agency class, it turns out. Um, Credits the great Brandon Shore for allowing them to walk away from three bad contracts with minimal pain and to get some assets back in return. They, they cut Kyle Van Noy for very little. They traded Shaq Lawson and they got back Bernardrick McKinney and was basically a wash when it came to contracts. And we don't know the exact terms, but today they were able to uh, trade Eric Flowers and get out from another $8 million of liabilities. I mean, that is all gravy. Now, I guess in a better world, a more perfect world, Armando, those guys would be getting ready for a second Pro Bowl season with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> that all three of those guys were complete studs last year, ready to lead the Dolphins on a Super Bowl run. So half glass half full, glass half empty. Certainly it's not all bad, but it's not all good either. Right. Well, I mean, you made very good points about the the you know, the salary cap scenario with all of those misses uh but i'm not an accountant and i don't think the miami dolphins are an accountant team they're a football team Mm -hmm. and shouldn't they be finding football players that they can embrace if they spend if if the investment is large if you're saying to yourself and everybody by that investment, these are our guys. We're going to roll with these guys. 
and a year later you're unrolled and you've walked away and you've changed your mind? I mean, after a while, it's like, what are we doing? How long is this rebuild going to take? Well, that's, it, it, what I, that's what I worry about. It's not so much that it's 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 starting to be a um, it's the modus operandi. It's like we bring in a, a there. By the way, they're going to be working on their second or third offensive line since Brian Flores took over with their fourth offensive line coach since Brian Flores took over. At what point do we get the offensive line? Hopefully after they draft Panay Sewell and they go to go and win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we should say this. Um, it's not like uh, the Dolphins got off totally free with these moves that they've made. And again, I credit them for crafting a salary in a way that lets them get out of it. But they, they still paid. $15 million to Kyle Van Noy in 2020 for one season of work. They still paid $11 million to Eric Flowers for one season uh, of work at the Miami Dolphins, and they probably played something close to that for Shaq Lawson as well. So you're, you're, you're talking about close to, you know, Shaq almost Lawson four. was $10 million. Uh, Karras was $3 million. Howard was $4 million, I think it was. Well, uh, I mean, well, the, the 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 difference about Karras is at least he was a one year deal. Uh, they didn't fair, cut him. Yeah, his I his mean, contract just expired. But no, the way they front load these contracts is that yeah, there's some signing bonus and your base salary in year one, and you would hope that that signing bonus would kind of accrue over the course of his career. That you don't feel bad about giving him nine million bucks up front because he's going to be there for three years. That 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 wasn't the case. Uh, I'll see what uh, again. Van Noy made fifteen in, in, in his one season total. That includes bonuses and salary. Uh, um, Flowers made eleven, and and Shaq Lawson with the Miami Dolphins as Spotrac is taking a second to load. Uh, he made thirteen point five. So in in just in cash and you know cap cap figures you know that's that's a fungible thing. You can you can do some funny money, but cash is cash. And so they, you know, they paid three guys basically forty million dollars for one year of work. That's that's not a good investment. But again, star accountant Beasley, I'm not worried about the money. The money, it's not mine. I don't care. It's Stephen Ross's, and he's got more than enough. But years is something that I don't have. Well, he, so, and, here, and here, here's why it's here's why it's important though is because. The money, every dollar you spend this year is a dollar less you can spend next year, because Fair. the cap ro- the cap rolls over. So that's forty million bucks that that will, that, are, that is unavailable to them this year in a year that they needed ca- salary cap space. So yeah, right. I mean, it, it, uh, there are there that, are yeah there are real tra- there there are real time consequences uh, right. to, to being a contract bad. Beyond that, though, it's the constant uh, addressing of what has been addressed. That's the thing that really frustrates someone such as myself, mm-hmm. who is otherwise a very stable human being and have no emotional investment <laughs> whatsoever in anything. And I'm very even keeled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. uh, I your, don't your, go. Your, your, heart, your heart rate's like 53 at all times. Yes, uh, including when I'm running, you know, 22 miles per hour. <laughs> so <laughs> chasing someone like Dalvin Cook. So, the, for a quote, the idea is that 
if you keep doing or needing to do over and over and over, you're never advancing. You're never getting to the goal. And so we're in year, you know, three of this administration. We're in year six of this general manager. And the offensive line is still not done. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you make a great point as part of a broader point. That's why this weekend is so incredibly important. You sign free agents to big money contracts to make up for mistakes that you made in the draft. And so now they've compounded mistakes. They got Michael Dieter wrong and they got Eric Flowers wrong. So they've made two mistakes now in two consecutive seasons. And so the question you got to ask is, why do you feel like in year three of addressing the same position, they'll get that mistake correct? And here's a, another question. What was wrong with Eric Flowers? Because if you're just measuring his play, I, I mean, he looked fine to me. I, I, mean, I don't understand. I, again, Pro it's, Football it, Focus had him rated 32nd among like 80 guards that they rated. So what was wrong with Eric Flowers? He was making $10 million a year. And they signed him to that! <laughs> well, they... They clearly saw he wasn't worth the money. Um, and I think they also saw him as a bit of a progress stopper because I think they want to roll with uh, with Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt as their guards. So why, you know, why pay a guy $10 million this year uh, to, to stop the progress of your franchise? That might have been part of the conversation as well. Last year I was told that Jesse Davis was a progress stopper. Because we <laughs> drafted our right tackle, Robert Hunt, to play at that spot. So now all of a sudden, Robert Hunt, who spent eight ga- or 11 games starting at right tackle, is now, oh, plan changed. Now he's the guard that we drafted. Look, I, I get it. Narratives are wonderful. But don't change the narrative on me and tell me to believe the second one. Well, not only that, uh, and you know who might the, the week one starting right tackle might be? Jesse Davis. <laughs> Jesse Davis. Back to Jesse Davis. <laughs> I wrote that today. He, Jesse Davis is, in fact, the anchor of that line right now. Mm-hmm. Chew on that for a minute. Well, Jesse and not, Davis is the anchor of that line right now. And, and not only that, he is protecting the blind side of your quarterback who still has some health concerns. And he is the blindside protector of – let me rush to my editing tablet here so I can <laughs> throw that line in. Stealing line from Beasley. Thank you. Okay. Very good. There, There is no intellectual property when it comes to a, a, a coworker. What's mine is yours, Armando. Well, very good. Thank you very much. So, I mean, that's my greatest frustration with, with the current – administration of the Miami Dolphins it's like it's a turnstile and what was the plan five minutes ago the plan changed Eh, we're going in a different direction and I'm not seeing the arrival of the plan I need to get to a destination and and not and not only that um but would you who would you rather have in 2021 Eric Flowers or Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson, because uh, they both basically would cost the same to get rid of. Right. 
Um, I think I'd rather have Eric Flowers. Yeah, so we'll see how it pans out. That's the great thing about the NFL, Armando, and it's the great thing about the NFL draft. We have been talking about this draft since the new year, right? Since we knew the Dolphins would be would be picking three, and we were sure they'd be picking three, and they would never trade out of it, certainly never consider trading for a quarterback with it, um, and then that quarterback getting snared in a terrible, terrible sexual harassment scandal, and then that plan fall through, and then then trade back, and then trade back up. We, we know this was never the plan, but all these things have happened, and over the last three months, we four months now, we've talked a lot of, about a lot of scenarios, and finally, in in just a few hours, we'll find out if we were right or not. Let's give uh, our listeners one more nugget on the way out, okay? Mm-hmm. Name me a player or players currently on the team and currently in the plans, and we love them, and they're smart, tough kind of guys, team guys that might not be on the team after the weekend. Devontae Parker. Because? Because if they draft Jamar Chase and then another wide receiver in round two, uh, there will not be uh, <laughs> targets for Devontae Parker, and he'll be making far too much money to be their number three guy. That's pretty interesting. That's amazing. Um, I, I don't know that Devontae – he is obviously their um, their most valuable guy. So if you're going to trade someone, you know, he has the most value of anyone. Uh, I, I – <laughs> I just don't understand why you mentioned them already. Alan Hearns? Really? Mm. Alan Hearns? Yeah, they've kept a ton of wide receivers that will not be on the team in two weeks because they wanted to see. My guess is they wanted to see who they end up with before they cut players they might need. Sure, of course. <laughs> in case we screw it up somehow <laughs> and don't fill the need that we we thought we were going to fill. I get it. Absolutely. We appreciate you joining us this week uh, for our pre-draft edition of Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. Let me ask you this. You want to do a, uh, a show after round one? Oh, wow. Is that is that an option? Yeah. After we do round one, like, you know, we'll do, we'll do a, a post-round one look back, look ahead to round two type of thing. I think we should give the people what they want. That's yeah. Some people would say we have no need for that. <laughs> you losers, you. Uh, but we don't care what your opinion is in this regard. So we're going to do that. So join us Friday afternoon when we serve you up the post round one edition of the Dolphins in Depth show. For star of the show Adam Beasley, I am caddy of the show Armando Salguero. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk to you Friday.